this uh, Sunday and next Sunday, I'm speaking on this topic, Divine Destiny. And God has been speaking to me so clearly on this for the last two months. And I believe that it's a timely word. Because in summer, in July, typically people are on holidays or work isn't as busy or schools are off. Do we like the summertime? Yeah. The days are longer. Some of us who were white, I'm albino, um, are trying to get a tan to go from purple to light pink. Um, it's the burden I have to bear as a white woman. Um, but there's more time, there's more headspace. People typically are in better form. And thank God, we are having a great summer weather-wise, aren't we here in Ireland? For once. Very muggy, though. Oh, oh the humidity is... Thank God I have curly hair. If I had straight hair now, it would just be like an afro up in here. But uh, the summertime, you have more space. And I believe that this word that God wants to speak this week and next week is um, prophetic and also that people have space to hear it a different way than they would during the rest of the year. And that you can reflect and take some of the summer to clarify to God what is my destiny? Why am I here? What's my calling? What's my purpose? Because destiny doesn't have an age. Until we go home to be with the Lord, we still have a purpose. Destiny doesn't have a gender. Destiny doesn't have a skin colour. Destiny doesn't have a number in a bank account that you have to have. God has called us all. Amen. Amen. So we want to pray into that today. Are we excited? Yes. Good. So let's pray. Can I ask you to stand? I just want to honour God. It's just a sign of respecting him and just to centre ourselves as we, we come into this time. So God, your, your presence, your spirit is so here. We can feel it. Can you feel it? Yes. Oh my days. So God, we thank you that every single person has a divine destiny in you. That we have all been created and called to a purpose in this life. Amen. You leave none of us out, Lord. So we ask Jesus, have your way in these moments. Give us clarity, confirm, multiply what you have told us to do, magnify it, and God, give us such a sense of your peace and your Holy Spirit and direct the next few moments that we have together, God. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We as a church, we want God to speak to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. We don't come to church just to look good, even though everyone is. There's no anyone smelling this morning. I'm not smelling any body odor, which is fabulous. We come to church because we believe that God is real, that he speaks to us, and he commands us to do it. So when I come to church, I want to hear from Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that's what we want to do today. So here's what it says in the book of Ephesians, and this is the Passion Translation. It says, you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Hallelujah. Amen. amen. You can shout at me, hallelujah, amen, anything you agree with. Yeah? The angels hear that. The demons hear it too. Yeah? We are all called. God is an inclusive God. Everyone is counted. He has counted you in. And before we look at this topic of divine destiny, I just want to take any mental ground that the enemy has, that you are counted in by God. But the problem is we count ourselves out. By our mistakes, 
by not reaching our full potential. Or for some people here, you've been told you're a mistake. You're an accident. You are not wanted. God is very clear. There is no accidents in the kingdom of God. Amen. Your parents might have done their part to bring you into this world. But God gave you life. Amen. God created you. God knit you together in your mother's womb. Amen. So any lie of the enemy that I'm not good enough, um, shame, guilt, or maybe you're just questioning, I don't know what the purpose of my life is right now. I don't know why God has me here. That those questions would be removed in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that we can be confident that everyone, including you, has a divine destiny in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So if we were to summarize divine destiny, it's really this. Our potential and life purpose when we partner with God. It's beautiful. Our potential and life purpose when we partner with God. Your destiny is a choice. I get to choose what I do with my life. God has given us all free will. I get to choose if I follow Jesus today. I might have prayed that salvation prayer as a little girl, but every day I get to choose. Is Jesus really my number one today? Or am I more distracted with work or stuff going on in my life? Or I can be following Jesus, but what he has called me to do with my life, I might not be doing. It's destiny. And when we get to live a long life, which I hope everyone here does, amen. amen. God, give us, the, give us the years, give us the blessing. Amen. That everyone looks back on their life and asks the same question, which is, what did I do with it? What was my potential? What was my purpose? And for us as Christians, one of the biggest questions, apart from our salvation question, is, did I do what God created me to do? My whole point of being here on earth. Did I do that? And you can build a career, you can build a home, you can build a family, you can build your bank account, you can build a brand, you can build your following online, and God can use all those things. But if we're not building the kingdom of God in our lifetime, we're missing the point. Amen. And when we get to heaven, that's what he's going to ask us. What did you do with your life? And when I get to heaven... And I'm sure you're the same. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We all want to hear that, don't we? So even though I know this sermon is a bit heavy in, you're saying it's Dara, it's like 10 past 12 there on a Sunday. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> with the rest of the day, never mind my life. But God wants to challenge us to think about these things. Think about the things of God. Because our time on earth is nothing. And our riches that we build here are in heaven. There's eternity at stake as well. So let's consider our divine destiny. Um, we're going to look at a character in the Bible, actually two characters in the Bible, uh, this week and next week. And we're going to look at the book of Judges. So it's in the Old Testament. I know not everyone might be familiar with it. So I just want to give an overview. So all my mature Christians who know their Bibles, inside out, give yourselves a round of applause. Well done. You know the word of God. Come on. No one clapping, oh Jesus. Not a good sign in a church. But for those who aren't familiar or for a recap, we're just going to go over the book of Judges. So it's Old Testament. So four things to note. The book of Judges is about the people of Israel, the Israelites. 
and you will know them because they've been led out of slavery, I mean, slavery in Egypt by Moses. Moses was the man who said, let my people go. go. He got it. Then, after Moses, they're taken, well, with Moses, they're taken into the wilderness for 40 years and they're wandering. And at the start of the book of Judges, we find them led into the promised land. The promised land is called Canaan. But their second leader, Joshua, who took over after Moses, he dies at the start of Judges. So you're finding the people of Israel, the Israelites, and they have no leader. So that's where they're at. They have been called to take the promised land, Canaan, um, and take it back from their enemies, the Canaanites. So city by city, they still have to defeat the enemies there. And they've been told to do this back in Genesis. But what they find is that, point three, the culture in Canaan is evil. And instead of them going and taking the land for the Lord, the culture is taking them. The evil, the cruelty, the sexual morality, the selfish greed, the idol worship. Sounds a bit like our world today, doesn't it? And point four is when the people of Israel fall into the ways of the Canaanites, and choose that culture, they choose to disobey God. And God allows, as a consequence, suffering. He allows them to be oppressed by the enemies and removes his protection and blessing. I pray that no one here ever has that happen, that God would remove his protection or blessing from us. Amen? Amen. But every time they call out to God, God helps them. Amen. What a God. <laughs> what a God. And when I was praying over this, I believe God wants to speak to some people here today who are like the people of Israel and you are in your promised land. You are in the home, the job, the season, the relationship, the time of life that you prayed for, that you fasted for, that you cried for. And hallelujah, God has brought you into it. He's been faithful to his word. You can trust him. But you are struggling and you are questioning God because you still have to fight enemies. You still have to defeat things that you thought were defeated. You still have to be around people or environments or cultures that are toxic. And God wants to remind you and to comfort you and say, you're right where you need to be. I'm still with you in the promised land. I'm still there with you. But when we're in our promised lands, it doesn't mean that we don't have to fight for our faith. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult at times. But your job is to keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't be like the people of Israel, the Israelites, and fall into it's too hard or the culture at the time. Don't fall into that pattern. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen. Amen. So with the book of Judges, what we just discussed, you see the cycle of sin and salvation. I'm going to be like a teacher now with my red light. Can we all see it? Yes, okay. It's more for me than it is for you, to be honest, I'm trying to read it. So we can see here, point one, the people rebel against God. Point two, God is angry, so he removes his blessing, his protection. He allows them to be oppressed by the enemies, the Canaanites. He allows the suffering. And then the people repent and come back to God. God raises up a chosen judge. That's why it's called the Book of Judges. These are the leaders of the people of Israel. When there is a judge, there is peace. But when the judge dies, the people fall back into their old ways and rebel against God. And this goes on throughout the Book of Judges. 
for 410 years, this pattern and cycle across 12 different judges. It's generational. If I was the people of Israel and I'm on judge 11 or 12, I'd be saying, have we not gotten it yet, lads? Do you know? <laughs> Are we suffering again <laughs> for no reason? But that's the pattern of the book of Judges. And again, when I was talking to God about this, he spoke to me about um, the cycles in our families. And we know that there's bad generational cycles and we know that there's good ones, right? And the bad ones of poverty, of addiction, of illness, of curses, God can break them. Amen. We know that. We know that there's loads of tools and resources we can use, but there is nothing like the blood of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. But there's also good cycles that we can have in our families. And in your divine destiny and your choice to follow Jesus, if you're following Jesus here today, the impact of that is bigger than you. And the blessing of that you might not see. In fact, you probably won't. It will be 400 years down the road and it's your kids, 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 kids who've been influenced by you. And I was saying in the earlier service, when I was a teenager, I used to go to Christian teen camps called Munster Christian camps. Anyone heard of them? Yeah. Only the Irish people have heard of them. Just like, they're great. They're, they allow for teenagers to meet up on um, holidays, and it makes you uh, see different people from different churches across Munster, which is great. And when I was 14, I went to my first one. And there was teenagers there who had a family history and generational lineage of faith. Whereas for me and for most of the teenagers in Grace when I was growing up, it was our parents got saved and then we were the kids of that. Yeah. There wasn't a history. And when I was 14 and I met teenagers who had that, that they love the Lord, which blew my mind at 14, because I was saying, where am I at with the Lord? Never mind, do I love him? But they love the Lord, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, and even further back. The blessing of God on their lives, the favor, the spiritual just weight and character of God was so obvious, even to me at 14, and I didn't know what was going on. It was so obvious, the blessing of the generational cycle of salvation. Can I encourage you in your divine destiny, what you're called and created to do? God has given us families. It's the structure that he's given us. Whether our families are broken, whether our families are not talking, whether our families are great, whether we're not really in a family at the moment, God has given it to us as a tool. And there's the family of God in this church, amen? amen. There's brothers and sisters in Christ. But he's given us families. In your divine destiny, do not diminish, do not disregard the power of salvation and the power of walking with God across a lifetime. Amen. The general bl blessing, the influence that you can have spiritually, just by being faithful now, could impact people hundreds and thousands of years later that you'll never get to meet until you go to heaven. Amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So we're aware of the book of Judges. We know what we're dealing with. People of Israel are crazy. They do their own thing. <laughs> and then when things get bad, they come back to God. And then God forgives them, gives them a leader, a judge, 
and then there's peace in the land. Are you with me? Yes. Is it clear? Yes. If it's not, tough luck, because I don't have time to be explaining anymore. We're just going to keep on going. So let's look at the book of Judges. We're going to look at the fourth judge, and her name is Deborah. Dara Deborah, who said that? Come on, you be called up, girl. This is Deborah. Deborah becomes Israel's judge. So Deborah is the wife of Lapidoth. Um, she was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. The Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day, she sent for Barak, son of Abinom. She said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, this is the enemy, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. Hallelujah. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So we have in this portion of scripture, Deborah, she is the fourth judge. She is a prophetess. And in her world, there is no women's rights. Yet she is the judge and leader of the people of Israel at that time. We see that Deborah gets a word from the Lord and she calls Barak, who is a general in the army, to tell him this. The word from the Lord is basically a military tactic. It's how to defeat the enemy. Deborah has no experience in that. So what she's saying is either going to be so of God or they're all dead. There's no one between. And Barak, when he approaches her, not only does he respect her, he knows that this is actually God speaking through Deborah. Mm -hmm. To know when God's speaking through someone, you have to know God's voice yourself. That's right. Amen. He knows that. And in their world and their society where women were not respected to the same degree as today, he's able to hear her as a woman, he's able to respect her position, but actually most importantly, he just hears the Lord. That's it. And he doesn't question her, he doesn't question God, he doesn't question what they're being told to do. And actually at the end you see she's telling him that the battle will they will win the battle, but he won't win it. His whole life, his career his life and death for him. He will not get the victory, a woman will. And he's obedient to it. So this is where we're at with Deborah and Barak. These two characters in the book of Judges and both of them in this moment are completely faithful and obedient to the call of God on their lives. They are not questioning what God is saying and they are not questioning who they are in this moment. And because they're able to do that, God uses them together in this moment of divine destiny, and God gives us those moments, those moments that affect generations and the people of Israel, and they're obedient in it. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were people of God who were so sure and confident of who God is and who we are called to be, that when these moments of destiny happen in our lives, we do not question, Amen. we just do it. Because we know God, we know his voice. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this week we're going to look at Deborah, next week we're going to look at Barak. Um, so Deborah, what a woman, eh? All the women are like, yeah! <laughs> so
So here's Deborah. She's a judge, a prophetess, and in Judges chapter 5, she's called Mother over Israel. She is their spiritual leader. And why that's important to note is this is Old Testament, and this is Old Testament in the Bible before the temple, before priests, and before God's presence. So we know, it talks about in 1 Kings, that God's presence was so sacred, it had to be in a physical place called the temple. And God's presence was so sacred that only priests could go into it, and they would have to make sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people. So this is before priests and temples and that. So God is speaking directly to Deborah where there isn't a clear way of accessing God. God is choosing to speak to Deborah out of everyone in her generation. It's her. And as well, there's no pastors, apostles, there's no Holy Spirit like we got today. It's not New Testament. So we know and we believe that Jesus died for our sins. Amen? Amen. We believe that he rose again and that we have eternal life in heaven with Jesus. Amen. Amen. When Jesus rose again, he said to his disciples, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, and then he ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit is what we have access to. We have direct access to God. I don't have to make any sacrifices. It's not one person in all our generation that can hear from God. God can speak to everyone. But for some of us, we don't listen. That's a whole other story. Including myself on that sometimes, we don't listen. So for Deborah, just to put into the context of her as a spiritual leader, that God is talking to her. She is the chosen one in her generation. God is speaking through her. There's no Holy Spirit, there's no priest, there's no place, but God is using Deborah. And the people look to her for spiritual guidance because that's who God was speaking to, and God had given her that position. We see with Deborah that she's female and she's married. In the book of Judges, she is the only female judge out of the 12. And I love this part. She's the only judge where nothing negative is said or implied about her. The only one. And we see that she's married. She's married to Lapidoth. But her marriage doesn't qualify her for her calling. It's not mentioned that Lapidoth is with her when she is judging. And actually we know that the people of Israel respected her because they went to her for their issues and to get judgment for decisions. But her husband isn't mentioned in that. Her husband isn't mentioned when she gets the word from God. And her husband isn't mentioned when her and Barak go into battle. Now I'm sure her husband was given by God, amen? I'm sure that he was a support, or I hope he was. But actually acting out her calling, her husband didn't qualify her or equip her practically in that. God had graced her for it all by, all by himself. It was just her. And with Deborah, she had no doubt. She does not question God or her calling in this moment, unlike previous leaders of the Israelites. Moses, who was the first leader that we looked at, five times he questions his ability and his calling. And Joshua, who's the second leader uh, of the people of Israel, he actually questions God once. Deborah's not quoted to question God or her calling. Now, you could make the argument there's way more scripture about Moses or about Joshua, which is fair. But the Bible is very, very good at showing us heroes of faith and their humanity. Their weaknesses, their questions, their doubt, 
their fears, their mistakes. I think Deborah did doubt at some point, but in this moment, when destiny is on the line, she knew who she was. She knew who God had created her to be. And to me, I'm saying, gosh, I'd love to be like a Deborah. That, God, can you help me be confident in who you have created and called me to be? It's a universal experience, isn't it? We doubt ourselves or we're unsure or just to know that God is for me in this. Yeah? And it's such an honourable prayer. And I want to pray that right now. I'm not asking anyone to come up. But if you want to bow your heads where you're at in your seats and if this is your prayer, which I think it is for most Christians. God, we thank you that every single person has a divine destiny and calling on their life. Amen? Amen. You have created us uniquely. And what you have created us to do, no one else can do. So we ask you, God, that you would fill us with your confidence in who you have created us to be. Not our abilities, not our money, not our health, not our relationships, not our egos, God, that, but that we would depend 100% on you and who you say we are. And God, give us the vision, give us your insight into who we are and what's our purpose, God. Show us from your viewpoint, because the way that we see things is not always true. And we don't see things in the supernatural. We only see the physical at times. So God, give us your insight. Let us be a people who are confident in who we are and confident in what you've called us to do. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I was... um, praying over this word and God spoke to me very clearly on um, something for myself that I want to share. He gave me a conviction and I was going, I don't really want to talk about that, do you know, when <laughs> it's my conviction. <laughs> but God, God, uh, God wants us to be transparent, doesn't he? To be honest. But he also gave me um, a word for the women in this church and I want to honour that and create the space for that. But before I do, this is a church that is biblical, we love men and we love women. Amen? Amen. There is an equality in that. And any statement that, or statement or what I'm saying prophetically, it's not a reflection on this church. For me as a woman, I hope it's not if you are a woman here. For me as a church, this woman, for me as a church, it allows me to be myself as a woman. It empowers me, it encourages me, it releases me. So just to be very clear on that. But when I was talking to God um, about this, um, and about this word for the women, um, it's quite sp- specific. So for the men in the room, you get to have a barbecue in a few weeks. Amen! <laughs> Hallelujah! What are the women getting? <laughs> Some free time at home. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, but for the men, we love our men, we encourage our men. But in this moment, to the men in the room, can you support us in this? Can you create the space for this word to be about the women? Yeah? Yeah? And to know, God has spoken to me about a word for the men next week, so you're coming, don't worry. Um, But for the women, where are my ladies at? All here. We love you. But God spoke to me about the women, the women in this church. Hallelujah. And I want to do this right by God, so please bear with me. 
the experience of being a woman in today's world outside. It does not always feel safe to be a woman. In today's world, it is not always encouraged or celebrated the characteristics or qualities of being a woman. Um, and in the world outside, women tend to be valued by how you look, the color of your skin, how much you weigh, how desirable you are sexually. And God wants to speak to the women in this church. He does not see you at all that way. Your worth and your value is not in that. It's distorted, it's sickening, it's of the world. And he sees you as a daughter in the purest way. In our world as a woman, and all of this we know growing up, don't we? We experience it as little girls and teenagers and young women. Uh, again, in the world, at times, we can be told to be quiet, to shut up, and that we're ignored. Even when our experiences are valid, even when we shouldn't be staying quiet. God wants to hear you. He wants to listen to you. He wants to give you all his attention. He does not feel that way at all and does not see you that way at all. And in our world as a woman at times, there's moments where we know or we feel that we're not the first choice. We are the second or third or fourth option. And when I was praying to God about Deborah and this whole prophetic word about being a woman, I asked God, why wasn't there a man doing what Deborah was doing? Why was it her? When it's all men and her society doesn't really value women. And God convicted me and said, you're asking that question about yourself. I've always struggled with um, qualifying myself for where God has placed me, particularly in this church and it's nothing to do with the leadership the leadership is so supportive the people of this church are so supportive thank you but it's me it's my head and i had the same question at 19 but i had a lot of questions about myself at 19 when i started to to look after our teenagers and i had a question about am i too young my experience am i old enough to do this in any way um i didn't know what i was doing with my life i was in college I questioned being single in it, I questioned being a woman in it. And when I was, I suppose, talking to my dad and Mike about doing this role as an associate pastor and actually starting to get paid and coming on full time, I didn't question anything apart from being a woman in it. I did not question, does my church support this? I did not question, do I love the Lord? I did not question the cost of doing this financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. I didn't question my experience. I didn't question my ability. And I didn't even question being single. I questioned being a woman because I couldn't see it. And I thought for years, up until last night, to be honest, when Jesus was really convicting me, that I was in this position or God had asked me to steward these positions in our church because of someone else's no. That other men 
or other married couples should be doing this. And the reason I got it because I was not first choice. I was second or third or fourth and it was a lie. But I couldn't see that. What I see or what I saw was people who were more gifted, talented, anointed and people who were men. And our church is not that way. But God so convicted me on it because he said, Dari, you think I put you in this position because you're second or third or fourth. And you think I put you in this position because of someone else's no. I have put you in this position, your Lord or God, because you are my first choice and because it's my yes. That's why you're in this position. God wants to speak to the women in this church. He wants the Deborah generation. Women, it is time to rise up. It's not to take a place of a man. I cannot be a man, but a man cannot be a woman. And there are spaces, places, relationships that some women are in today. And because you can't see a woman in it, you're struggling with it. And I believe for some people here, you know what you've been called to. God has spoke to you so clearly on it. But you have asked him, God, show me someone. Show me an example of it. And God would say to you, you're not going to find it. Because what he is doing in you is brand new. You won't find it. You will be that for other people. But God has spoken. It's a step of obedience. And who he has created you to be. How disrespectful of me to question who I am in God and literally who he's created me to be as a woman. That that's the thing that makes me ineligible when God does not see that at all. So sisters, rise up. Take your place. Be confident in who you are. And I don't know why it is for us as women that the gender thing is a question. Maybe because it's our experience in the world outside. Or maybe it's internalised. But God does not see it that way. And I believe, I'm just going to, oh, Jesus speaking prophetically, Juvie, God has called you, you are a Deborah. You know your calling, you know what he's called you to do, you have the generational faith, time to raise up, my love. Amen. You've got it, you have all of it. Amen. Just time to go. Can I ask the worship team to come up? You can give the Lord a round of applause. I was chatting to God last night, I was saying, seriously, do you want me to say this? <laughs> and he said, yes. Men, I have the word for you next week. Hallelujah, you'll, you'll get it all. Can I ask you to stand, brothers and sisters? We're just going to sing in a moment. But can I encourage you? Your destiny is a daily choice. I get to choose how I live my life, and I get to choose how I honour God. So in these moments as we come into prayer. Let's reflect on that. Let's talk to God about where we're at and let's honour him in these moments. We're going to sing the song and then we're going to pray. Amen. Amen.